Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so my guest this week on the show is the one and only Phil Atwill, who, in addition to being one of my favorite people to watch ride a bike in the whole world, is one of my favorite people to talk to about bikes and just everything he's been up to. As you'll see in this one, Phil is an incredibly entertaining storyteller with a lot of cool stuff to say about his take on riding and filming and the mental side of preparing to go do something real scary on a bike and just has some great stories to tell. And on top of that, he also even flips the script in the middle of the episode and starts interviewing me for a little while. It's a super fun one. I think you're really going to like it. But before we get into it, I do want to take a quick moment to just encourage you to check out our Blister Plus Spot membership, which, in addition to all the great benefits of a standard Blister membership, gives you $25,000 of zero-deductible injury insurance per incident anywhere in the world if you are doing any number of outdoor activities that includes mountain biking, skiing, trail running, cycling, and a whole bunch more. It's very extensive list the full rundown in the link in the show notes and not only has that got the potential to save you a ton of money if you get hurt but also just means that if you have a minor accident you don't have to do the mental calculus of being like well is it worth seeing a doctor should i just try to ride this out and see because it's going to be expensive and they might not do anything it's covered just go get yourself looked at and stay healthy so check that out it's a pretty great program that we're very excited about and with that let's get right to my conversation with phil atwell well phil thanks for sitting down to chat today how are you doing today and where are you today well david thank you for having me on the the show is it a show podcast i guess it's a show isn't it um yes we are in yeah we're in queenstown new zealand at the moment and yeah it's a lovely morning, and I'm itching to ride my bike after this podcast, I'll be honest. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing to do in Queenstown, so let you get after it pretty soon here. But before we let you go, wanted to chat for a little bit here about kind of a bunch of the stuff you've been up to for the last bit, and things are shaping up to kind of start gearing up for the World Cup season here, though that's still a little ways off. And I think... One of the things that I've always really appreciated about your riding and just enjoyed watching you ride is kind of the variety of different riding styles that you sort of bring to the table and kind of have made a career as a downhill racer first and foremost, but clearly have a fair bit of street and dirt jump and trials skills and influence in the background as well. And just be interested to hear a bit about how you developed all that and kind of what your riding upbringing so to speak was like yeah i mean thanks yeah i mean i don't really like being labeled as a world cup racer so to speak i'm sort of yeah i'm just a bike rider i love all aspects of mountain biking bmx anything on two wheels you know motorbikes whatever gets me going um you know i mean it, it all excites me I'll be out for a trail ride and then I'll see a log and I'll quite happily play on the log for half an hour over a nice burb, like just, uh, yeah, whatever I'm feeling at that moment, really. Yeah. I mean, 
And I think that certainly shows through in a lot of the video bits you've done. And like, not many dudes who are racing World Cups who are also putting out videos of like five minutes of jumping around on a picnic table, for example. So, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, which is which is cool. I, the the variety in it is super interesting. But I guess just when you were getting started off in mountain bikes, what kind of riding were you drawn into first and foremost? And where'd you start off to arrive at where you're at today? Yeah, it's like an interesting question, really. I, I sort of just rode bikes that my parents always used to take us for family rides. And I'd, I'd always ride around the streets with my mates. I'd be riding to like nursery I'd like ride to nursery and I was like free, put the bicycle down, jump on the trikes, ride them around all day, trying to do manuals on them and then ride the little bicycle back home. And then I'd ride to school. Um, and on the way, like, so I lived at the bottom of the hill and my primary school was at the top of the hill. So I'd like ride up and then on the way down, there'd be like loads of driveways to jump off. I didn't even know mountain biking was a thing. I just liked jumping off driveways. And then we ended up going, for a family ride up at Wendover Woods, which is like probably about 20 minutes away from where I live. And we discovered Aston Hill Bike Park, which was like in the woods. And then I started going along there, met a man, Ian Warby. He started doing some devos and um, yeah, got in, got into it from there really. It was quite cool. Got my first Gary, I got a Gary Fisher tarp on, which was my first bike. So I did a, did a competition where you had to write about your journey to school. So my mum might have helped me. Anyway, I won, I won like a hundred quid's worth of vouchers or something. I know, give them to mum and she helped us out with a with a new bicycle, and that was me really. I was no looking back. I was loving it. Okay, so the the jumping off a of driveways bit checks out. It's kind of an early early foray. And where along the line there did do you start racing DH? When did that come into the mix? So I think I was, I can't remember if I was seven or eight when I got my first proper mountain bike, you know, like a Gary Fisher tarp on, bought it from Mountain Mania in Tring. And then I rode that for a couple years, did some devos at Aston Hill. I pretty much rode a hundred meters and then my chain would fall off and get stuck in my bottom bracket. And then Ian Warby would have to pull it out. Um, but I think he had a little chat with my dad, said that it might be all right. And then my parents said if I did well at SATs, they would buy me an or uh, buy me a proper bike, you know what I mean, so I could go racing. Um, so SATs week, and the bike turned up before it even started the exam. So that was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I got the Orange Patriot when I was 10. I did my first race in Aston Hill. I think it was a DH3. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I must have been 10 years old, DH3, 2006, potentially. Can't really remember. But yeah, I had a great time. And then from there, we went to, started going to Wales and raced the Dragon Downhill Series. Um, took, me, took me a year or two to get into that. And then I started doing quite well at them. Yeah, that was it really. I raced that bike from when I was 10 to 15. All the components changed, but the frame said the same. Yeah, right. And I mean, you've already mentioned 
not really liking to think of yourself as a World Cup racer first and foremost, but it's a dude who rides bikes and does a lot of different stuff on them, racing downhill World Cups amongst them, but certainly not exclusively by any stretch. And I guess I'm curious sort of how for you it kind of all fits together and how all of the other things that you do on a bike, the film projects and just riding your trail bike and dirt jump bike and all the bits and pieces of mountain biking that you do sort of come together for uh, race prep. Because like there are, you know, certainly there's no one right way to do it or whatever. Right. But like there are certainly guys who are really just all about laser focus on the DH bike and get as much time on that as they can. And, you know, you're obviously taking a bit of a different approach to it, but just what about that works for you? And how do you kind of think about how it all fits together? Yeah. I mean, that's sort of my forte and my problem at the same time, because I enjoy so many different aspects of riding. I find it quite hard to focus on one. Like I obviously love downhill racing, but I, yeah, I have to ride everything else because it's what I sort of, I need it's my fix you know um but i think it also helps at the same time it just keeps me excited for riding for riding and racing because i'm not just riding down all the time so when it comes to racing i've been doing all this other stuff and i'm actually quite excited to go race my bike again which is kind of cool but going back to when i was a kid like so i I was racing i'd be racing in wales i know out like throughout the summer but when I wasn't racing in Wales, I'd be on the BMX. I'd be riding from Berkhamsted to Hemel, like just to ride skate parks, jump off stairs, like just absolute missions as a kid, just doing everything, you know, dirt jumps, BMX, you name it. I loved it. Yeah. And I mean, it certainly makes sense how that just having that variety goes a long way to keeping things interesting, not feeling like you're doing the same thing day in, day out. And, Variety suite. But I am also curious, sort of from someone who's in your position of having this huge variety and breadth of things that you do on a bike, how's that sort of factored in to team contract negotiations and that kind of thing, whereby, like, I'm sure there are racers out there for whom race results are kind of the primary thing that is like the focus of their goals as a rider and their uh contract talks and that kind of thing and i'd imagine it looks a little different for you and so i'm just curious sort of when you're going into setting things up for the new team and new contract and all the rest like how much are you talking about racing versus film parts and all the other stuff that you're doing yeah i think it definitely depends on the team that you're looking or you're talking with you know like certain teams that are interested in certain aspects of your riding um but yeah i mean at the moment we're currently running our own program with propane with camp and missus and with Mao as well so we're quite flexible really like the i'd say the media part is as important to the race results if done correctly uh but that being said race results they they are very important you know you do you do a podium and like you can't argue with that that's it's pretty good um but yeah it's definitely an interesting one Depends who you talk to. Definitely depends who you talk to. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that, like in your case, having gone from propane to cube and now back 
to propane, at least in... If we want to go into that a little bit, yeah, I think Cube are definitely more of a, um, a results-based program than propane. You know, propane are quite happy with the media bits and bobs, and I'm sure Cube were too, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, their team was definitely more of a thoroughbred sort of race team, um, which is cool, but I, I just need to be able to do my other things as well, you know, because that's what makes me tick. Yeah, I mean, that sort of seems in keeping with the perception from the outside. And so not surprised to hear you say that exactly, but it is interesting to know that that is in fact the case. And so, I mean, and I guess that might as well get into it now. I mean, like you said, you have started now running your own team with propane and tell us a little bit about how just getting that put together went and what the goals were for kind of running your program here rather than trying to continue to be on a factory team organized by someone else. Yeah. I mean, it all sort of started. So I always had a great relationship with the guys at propane. I stopped riding for Ben Reed's team in 2018, ended up going to cube for two years, which was cool. And then kept a good, good relationship through with propane throughout them two years. And we were talking for, I think it was 2020 and then it was never really a plan to sort of start a team, just sort of contact my old mate Mal, who used to run Roost, and was like, yo, do you want to help Spanner on the World Cups for me? And off we went 2020 in my van, just sort of pretty privateer set up. Then 2021, it sort of expanded. We started getting some tents, like looking slightly more professional. And then this year, it's a proper, a proper thing. We've got uh, four riders now, including myself. Young Marco, German dude, well, German Greek dude, Sock, and George. So, yeah, it's sort of expanded into a nice little thing, which is kind of cool, really. And it's lovely to be in a position to, like, help out the dudes that you feel really deserve, need, like, deserve that opportunity, you know, which is nice. Yeah, definitely. And, well, kind of along those lines, you've been living in Greece for a bit now and have this kind of largely Greek team that you've assembled around yourself. I guess, well, yeah, first off, how did that all sort of come together? And, um, you know, how'd you meet and find these guys and get the team up and running? Yeah, well, I mean, I've got to thank Kat, my missus, first and foremost. Kat is Canadian Greek, so we met in New Zealand and then uh, long story short, um, I ended up in Greece a few years later, ended up doing gamble film. I stayed in Pilio, North Greece, and I was just blown away. But I was there for a month. I had a broke wrist, and then my wrist got better. I started riding, and I was just blown away with the mountains, the scenery. That was the end of 2017. And then the end of 2018, I was oh, I'm going to move to Greece. So moved to Greece, rented a place in Athens, and then just, yeah, again, blown away with the riding. Like the people, the dudes, like so much talent you'd never even knew existed. Like I just started bumping into these kids, like Sark met Sark met George, um, and then that's how it's that's how it went about with propane. I got my contract with propane, but I made sure there was a little section in there that we could get George and Sark a bike, and then it it just grew from there really. And then I've been watching little Marco as well. We we got him involved in tea and biscuits shooting. 
a couple of years back and he was just blew my mind with these he was just doing these ridiculous flat one foot tables as like a 15 year old kid i was just like who is this guy so yeah and then he he's turns out he's quite fast at racing down or two so i was like yep that'd be that'd be awesome to help him out so we got a nice little mix george free ride guy and then three sort of racer free ride guys i don't know what you want to call us but yeah it is and yeah like you said sort of it is cool that you've got a bit of breadth in terms of riding style and approach on the team and and a bunch of folks like yourself who are not exclusively focused on racing but doing a bunch of other cool stuff on a bike and ha- have this sort of breadth of interests and uh be curious to hear a bit more about just the greek mountain biking scene in general i mean it's you know certainly got the mountains terrain looks sweet but it's not necessarily top of the list for most famous mountain biking destinations in the world at this point and so what's it like yeah i mean it, i think it's kind of nice where it's going to become less low-key now that we're talking about it but yeah it's kind of it's kind of nice man there's so much riding in greece you just you would never even believe it like every every month or every week i find a new little spot that someone's someone's told me about or discovered um, there's not much organization when it comes to like bike parts or like uplifts and and whatnot, like chairlifts, I mean, but you can book uplifts in Athens. They're about 15 euros an uplift day, which is quite good, really. So it could be a cheap, cheap holiday destination. And uh, yeah, there's riding everywhere. Like the dirt around Athens is like a little bit rocky, but like still some good, good soil. You know what I mean? You've got, so I live in like Papago. It's like just outside the sea, 10 minutes from the sea. And I've got trails pretty much from the door, wherever I want to go. Um, you can ride them on motorbike, you can ride them on bicycle. Like it's, it's pretty free, you know. And then we've got Parnitha, which is, again, huge mountain, huge mountain. It'd be like sunny, 20, 30 degrees in the city, and it could be snowing at the top of that one. And then the further you go north, the dirt just gets thicker and blacker and loamier and naughtier in my opinion and uh, like so we filmed that team biscuits up in chamurka which is it's got to be like two hours from albania two three hours from albania it's like pretty north greece and that is that is a beautiful spot same with pillion where cat's dad's from and then if you go into bulgaria i reckon it gets even better like like Sofia, the capital city of Bulgaria, has got like nine-minute loam tracks that hit the city center. It is ridiculous. Interesting. Adding some stuff to the vacation list here. This sounds cool. Into all of that, but like apart from the trails, which sound amazing, what's the Greek mountain biking culture like? I mean, kind of how big a scene is there, and what sort of riding are folks doing? What's that part of it like? Yeah, I mean, the, the scene has definitely grown since, I'm not saying I've made it grow, but I've definitely noticed it growing since I've been there. COVID was massive for mountain biking in Greece. Like, you just, loads of people bought bikes. Trails were more crowded. More trails were popping up everywhere, which is lovely. Um, but yeah, there's a good mix. We've got downhillers, enduro riders, BMXers, dirt jump dudes, street dudes. Like if you go riding at the the local the local hill, you're gonna you're gonna see a load of guys out for a ride most days. You know, it's not it's not like the UK. UK is absolutely ridiculous. It's packed, but it's definitely growing. 
Yeah, it'd be nice to get a bit more infrastructure into the country for like official trails and like because we've got so many gondolas as well that just they've been built for skiing but you can only ski one month of the year in Greece so it'd be great to get some mountain bike trails there so we could use the gondolas and facilities now that'd be cool yeah that sounds like a step in the right direction kind of is there much in the works that you're aware of to start making that happen or kind of more of a pipe dream at this stage Uh, yeah probably more pipe dream I mean lots of conversations happen but from a conversation to things actually happening, it's quite a big, a big yeah, gap. There's a there's um, a gulf there. Yeah, I mean, saying that we've got we've got this project on up north in Chimurka. Um, There's a mount there called Sortiris that makes a lot of things happen. So we went, we spent COVID or a good month of COVID building this. Well, the start of a bike park basically in North Greece. They've got a bit of budget from the EU. The EU and we yeah we started we built a downhill track which was quite gnarly it wasn't meant to be that gnarly but we got a bit excited so then we went we went back this winter and marked out a a flow trail so I just need to find some time really to go back and finish that um but yeah that that is an official will be an official bike park in I don't know a year or so but slowly slowly but huge mountain like the biggest natural loam gullies into just mental it's the most it's the most exposed i've ever felt building a trail like you're like flicking bear shit out of the way and like it's pretty gnarly but it's it's sick yeah that sounds cool and how much building and digging are you doing these days i know you've done a fair bit over the years but what's that looking like i'd sort of love it really i mean my back doesn't love it so much as I get older, I've noticed that. Um, yeah, I try and get out. I'll try and do a good digging session once a week in the winter for sure, maybe a couple of times a week. Um, currently working on a new line for Flow State 2, which is we're building like north of north of Athens. We call it California because it looks like the rolling hills in California. So that's cool. It's like down a cliff, cliff face. Um yeah, keen to get that finished off, ready for filming. But mate, there's so many different projects. Like you, we've got dirt jumps we want to continue. We've got downhill tracks that we need to finish. Free ride lines or jumps. It's just endless. You could spend your whole life digging. If you, if there, there should be more days in the week so we can dig more, basically, and more rain. Some more rain would be fantastic because it's quite dusty over there. Okay, uh, I'll at least fully co-sign the. Uh, more days in the week to dig part. I don't know if yeah, I certainly don't need more rain in my life right now, but uh, yeah, I mean, your mileage may vary depending on location. Um, yeah, true. But I guess, I mean, that kind of is a good segue into something else that I wanted to ask about, which is like, as someone who has such a breadth of riding styles in your back pocket and stuff that you're interested in doing and has done a lot of film projects showcasing that breadth, I mean, how do you kind of, when you're starting a new film project, think about what it is that you want to do with it and kind of coalesce it down into a final product? Because I'd imagine, you know, you have a thousand ideas floating around your head and a million different directions you could take a given thing. But what's the process look like there? Well, normally, so I'll, I'll, the idea of an edit will come up 
probably mid build or where I'm where I'm building. So I've just sort of finished a track. I didn't finish the whole track, but I finished most of the the technical features on this trail and um just behind my house. And when I was building this, I was like, yeah, this is gonna be a video project for sure. So then we finished that and then we filmed the my latest video, Clutch Kicking, and we used most of them features. Um but yeah, it's like I guess it's just sort of the spots you discover depending on the spot you decide what you're going to build what bike you're going to use and try and try and mix it up a little bit really I guess so that last the last video was a bit quite technical a bit jibby and then I'd be looking to do a little downhill roar out here in New Zealand just a bit more bit more downhill bike a bit more speed and then flow state two which is the, the up and coming project and i'm not really sure it's going to be this cliff line is going to be quite gnarly but with some jumps and some techie bits in i'm not all about going massive on a bike i like to i don't know like keep it quite technical if you know what i mean like get some front brake action in there some tire slides a few logs yeah adjust it for what we for what we like doing most speaking of going a little bigger like you've been doing some other stuff outside of race world cup racing and filming like just got back from the urban race in chile for example and for just from the video and watching bit of it like that looks really damn gnarly just it's so tight and like not necessarily that the what you're actually riding is the craziest thing in the world, but there just seems like there's so little margin for error and it's going to go really badly wrong if you crash into almost anything on that whole track. And so, yeah, how was that? Um, so that all come about because we've, we've got a new, new mechanic, Jose, who's a Chilean man and now lives in Athens. So he was like, oh, would you be down to come to Chile to do this street race? And I'm like, ah, you know, why not if I can get an entry? So he got me an entry. And next thing you know, we're in Chile doing this street race. Um, did the track walk. I was I was nervous going there, I'll be honest, but quite excited. Did the track walk. I was like, ah, it's, it's gnarly, but like not ridiculous. Uh, and then practice, jumped a couple of things. I'd like to mention I did, I rode down a set of stairs twice in Santiago before I actually got to the race, um, which that was my practice. I was there with some locals that were just doubling all of their stuff. And I was like, wow, right. This is actually gnarly. Um, and then practice was all good. Followed a Slavic and a couple of boys down some stairs, did case one double and ride the front wheel down the stair set, which shipped me up quite massively. I think I uploaded a POV of that. That was, that was pretty gnarly, but when you had it good, it was fine. It's, it's just when you got sketchy, it was really sketchy. But the sketchiest thing was like the traffic. There'd be like dogs on the track or I come around a corner in practice and there was a homeless dude just like walking up the track. Like it's his city too, you know. It's like it's it's an active city. Like anything can happen. Um, but yeah, super fun race. The most unpredictable part of the track, honestly, was just the corners but on the road. It was so slippery and depending where the sun was or where the crowd was or how much dog shit was on the corner, they just all varied. But yeah, I'd, de- mate, I'd definitely go back and do another one. I had an absolute hell of a time. It was sick. 
yeah, I mean, it looks like a really cool scene and it uh, seems like pretty big crowds out and kind of a whole whole thing around it. Yeah, mate, I've probably got more coverage from that street race than I've had from any World Cup. Like the fans were mental, Like they absolutely loved it. It was sick. But going back to the track, like track walk was you're like looking at these jumps and the jumps are like sketchy as it is. But then you've got like low hanging like telephone cables so you can't jump too high because otherwise you get your head chopped off and all sorts of stuff. there's a video going around of a of um one of some i know a fan jumped into the track with his bike hit the last jump his backpack went up got caught on the the phone line and he just got absolutely slammed oh yeah that sounds horrible jesus i had I hadn't seen that one, but that's an extra degree of spiciness to that one that I hadn't really considered. The uh, yeah, decapitation you can't jump potentials. too high on the jumps. Yeah, that's yeah, gnarly. Doesn't sound like what you want. That sounds like a time and something I'd at least be into going and spectating. I don't know if I feel like I need to race that one, but uh, <laughs> sure looks like a, a, a good scene to be, be in on. So um, sounds pretty good. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, like, going back into it i didn't even know like street riding and riding stairs was the thing because my mechanic jose he's in athens he's like yo do you want to come check out some stairs i'm like i used to ride stairs when i was a kid you know what i mean but i was like no i'll just go ride the nice trails behind the house but then you go to south america and like the dudes there will go and session stairs and you don't think it's fun until you start doing it and then it's actually sick like i would I'd go and ride stairs now, I reckon, just for a little play, just to keep it, keep it, I don't know, mix it up a little bit. It's like when you start getting the doubles, it feels amazing. When you case them, it doesn't feel so good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that properly took me back to my childhood, like that race, like just skidding around the streets, you know, it's good. Yeah. That's, that sounds pretty fun. And amongst some other stuff though, I mean, do you, you've been at a hard line a little bit and I'm curious to hear kind of what your, thoughts are on that last iteration of the course from last year because all of a sudden those jumps were so big and just a pretty substantial departure from what that track had looked like in years past and uh floor is yours i guess yeah i mean hardline's gnarly mate it is gnarly and then new jumps were were large and on the top of a windy hillside um but yeah, I mean, I turned up there and I had a mechanical day one. So that was it. I knew I knew that I wasn't going to be competing for the rest of the week, which was a shame. I did ride day two a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'll go back. I'm not sure if it's my completely my cup of tea. Um, it's fun. It's a sick week. Red Bull puts on an absolute hell of an event. Uh, but maybe I'm street race guy now. I'm not sure. Fair enough. And uh I guess along those lines, I mean, what are some of your favorite either tracks or just favorite events outside of race season kind of over the course of the year and any particular highlights? Filming weeks get me very excited. I'm happiest when I'm filming, I'd say. Um, the build the build up's normally quite I'm a bit nervous, but then when I'm, once I'm into it, I love it. Um Free ride fiesta the other year that was loads of fun again quite scary big jumps but once i did the jumps it was sick um motorbike races am i allowed to mention them 
very they get yeah they get me very excited i'm racing all the the greek motorbike nationals with the help from beta over there which is rad absolutely love that best cross training i've ever done as well That's what sort cool. of events on the motor uh, so we do scramble scramble races. So it's like an hour and a half plus two laps. Your classic time card enduros. So I've been racing as many of them as I can. Absolutely love that. Yeah, so much bike time. And spe- especially living in Greece, you can just ride from your door. Police will see you on the road, give you a high five. They love it. It's good. Perfect. Um, what else? What else? Crankworks is a sick. Pretty keen to get into Rotorua. And maybe I'll check out some summer series bits and bobs while we're over here too. Um, I think that's about it, really. If I if I think of anything else, I'll let you know. That's a solid list, though. And uh, be curious to tell me a little bit more about that comment you had at the beginning of that about sort of the nervousness of starting a filming week and kind of what's going through your head there and what – tell us more. Yeah. I think it's just the mental prep that you know you have to do something gnarly. Like when you when you go out filming, you you know that if the video is going, if you're going to be satisfied with the video, you have to do something that's going to make you scared, make you a bit nervous. Um, there's always a couple of clips in a video that I don't even know if people understand how dangerous they are, but you know that that shit you up real hard, but. It probably looks like nothing on the screen anyway, but yeah. So you, you're just mentally preparing to, yeah, to go to battle with them, with them tricks, I guess, or them shots or that gap or jumping that rail or something that's, you know, the consequences are quite gnarly. But half the time, half the time you'll do something and you'll think it's chill and it'll look sick and that's that's happy days when that happens but yeah half the time it's not like that right yeah i mean film's got an incredible way of making things look much more tame than they actually are in person and sometimes yeah um often anyway yeah i guess a little bit of a tangent we just wrapped up kind of our um annual blister ski summit a couple weeks ago and uh Eric Carlson, pro skier, was there and had just what I thought was the perfect distillation of that thought, which is like talking about filming ski movies. He just said that if you're not scared dropping in, you're not making the movie like that. That line's not going to go if it's not for sure, not for sure. I'm getting, scared, getting ready to go into it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But um, I mean, just from seeing some of the outtakes and little extra stuff you put up too. it does seem like you make a pretty good emphasis of kind of keeping things light and having some fun on those trips too. any particular standout stories or little moments that you feel like you can share here from recent film trips that uh, jump out. So most of the, the most recent videos have been quite local. So we've been quite well behaved really around Athens, which has been good. Um, it was quite quite funny filming um, that tea and biscuits. We had little Marco. We had everyone in the taverna, and there's police sat next to us, local police, and we're all doing shots. Like Marco's like 16 or something, and the police are like doing shots with us. And it was quite a giggle. Um, but nothing. That's just a normal day in Greece, really. I mean, I guess for a little bit of a different angle on that, are there any particular? other riders who are kind of your favorite folks to go film with or anything that stands out on that front? 
Mate, loads of loads of boys. I love riding. I love if someone's keen for riding and they've got the energy, I'm I'm excited. You know, um, yeah, like these little little dudes we've got on the team, and lot lot of guys in Greece, they absolutely throff off riding, which just motivates me so much. You know, um, like little sock that we've got on the team, he has got so much energy, it is ridiculous. Like he he'll see a puddle and he'll be like. Holy hype! Like he's just, he is that excited to ride bikes, and it's that just I don't know fulfills me, you know. Yeah, that's great. Those people who are just that perpetually stoked are the best people to ride with. That's it. Yeah, getting out with people that love what they're doing fulfills me hugely, hugely. Well, that's awesome. And I mean, as we've sort of touched on a little bit already, you've broadly live in Greece, but are off in New Zealand right now. How long have you been over there and kind of any particular plans while you're there other than to just kind of enjoy the tail end of Southern Hemisphere summer and get some riding in? Uh, yes, we've been here. We come straight from Chile, so we've probably been here about 10 days now. Just got settled in Arthur's Point. Lovely accommodation. Um, can't complain really the view over there. If you could see it, it's quite nice, but you can't. Um yeah, lots of bikes, lots of training. Back into training from the start of this week, which is nice. Body hurts, but getting into it. And then hopefully get a little little raw edit film next week. Nothing crazy, but a bit of downhill action. Bit of summer series. And then we're going to road trip up to Rotorua. I think that's the plan. Stop off on some at some spots on the way up. We bought a Mazda station wagon for like 1200 bucks and it does not have any suspension whatsoever it's hilarious you hit a bump the, the dash nearly falls out so that'll be an interesting journey and then yeah row to row and then back to back to greece and we're going to start digging for flow state um we've got oh well, there's the there's a big pit bike race i think not this weekend next weekend so that'll be quite quite fun quite exciting i'm sure Hopefully get my leg over someone else's bike for a couple laps. Yeah. With the World Cup season getting off to a little bit of a later than normal start this year, kind of how's that affected your sort of training plan and schedule? And what are you doing with that extra bit of time that you don't necessarily have a lot of years? Oh, mate, that is absolutely beautiful. We are very excited about the late start of the World Cups. Give us a bit more time to get everything you know, team-wise organized, get a couple more video projects, media bits and bobs in there, um, get everyone together, we'll do a little bit of a pre-season test camp, obviously got Flow State filming, means I can do some more of the Greek motorbike races, which I'm very happy about, more time for digging. Um, yeah, yeah, excited about it. I'm a bit unsure of the later World Cup races in America and Montsenan because... I've been to Canada and America, and it's quite cold that time of the year, so that could be interesting. Yeah, the weather could get a little exciting come September, that part of the world. You know, I mean, it could also be beautiful. You really never know for that one, but it uh, feels like they're rolling the dice at least a little bit. Yeah, I can't think of the dates off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure we're going to be in like Montsinan in October or late September. I think it's late September, if I remember right. Yeah, something like that, but anyway... Actually, it'd be fun, you know, same for everyone. Yeah, this is true. How are you feeling about the changes to the 
race format with semifinals and the reworked qualification rules and all the rest? Um, I don't agree that it's becoming more difficult for up-and-coming privateers to get into the sport because it's definitely become harder, more expensive. I think they've doubled or tripled race entries for this year. Um, team expenses have gone gone up massively. Um, yeah, it's definitely becoming more difficult as a privateer, which, which sucks, you know, because we're going to lose out on so much talent that can't get into the sport as easily as they they could have done a few years back especially with the top 60 qualify now as well uh, but i think what they're trying to do is make the ixs a bit like a moto 2 like compared to like a formula one they got formula two or whatever they whatever they do so i think that's sort of the concept um sorry what was the, what, going back to the question what was the question again i mean that was kind of it like just um How's it all feeling? And also the inclusion of the semifinals now and kind of having to do an extra race run. So I heard about that and then I didn't really understand it, to be honest, but it sounds like we've got qualifying, top 60 qualify, and then you've got semifinals. The top 30 of the semifinals go through to A finals. I think that's right. And then there'd be a semifinal podium for 30 first second third to fifth is that right it sounds like you, we've gonna we're gonna have to do an extra timed run every world cup so yeah obviously the risk goes up it'll become a bigger more physical like your stress is probably going to double not stress but you know what i mean yeah you get the preparation for a race runs now you know it's not it's not an easy couple of hours before a race run it's like you it can be if you're if you're in a good headspace, but if, it, if things aren't going so good, then it can be quite stressful too. So, I think if you're having a good year, it could be a really good year. But if it's if it's a hard year, it could be could be harder. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see. I, I don't really know how it's going to work out until I guess you're you're involved in the mix and actually doing it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone does really. We're gonna have to see how it goes. But I mean, and kind of from hearing you talk about it here, it sounds like the communication about what all is going on perhaps hasn't been the most clear either. Uh, no. Is that something that you feel like really ought to be improved upon or is it just sort of the case where you're like, well, you know, we'll take what they give us and go make it happen. Yeah. To be honest, I've not been paying loads of, loads of attention. I've been sort of doing other things with my time, but yeah, from what I've heard, it's like, it sounds like they've, took a long time to work out their media agreement and all sorts of bits and bobs. But yeah, I think it it is in place and we'll just have to see how it goes when we get there. But it'd be nice if they could introduce some new tracks because we've been been in the same car parks and the same mountains for a, for a good 10 years or so now. So yeah, if anyone's listening, we can get some new tracks out there. That'd be lovely. Anywhere in particular you'd like to see the series go? Bulgaria. Just Bulgaria could have an insane World Cup. My God. I was blown away. I did a, I did a race in Zlatica, which is about an hour and a half north of Sofia. And it was probably one of the gnarliest tracks. No, not gnarliest, just the sickest tracks I've ever, ever in. Started off like big open fields, like full chat, and then into these big loam gullies like handmade jumps blind crest scrub mounds into like oh it was just five minutes of joy and like handmade by these local legends somewhere in bulgaria yeah it was sick that 
that could be a spot. Um, it's just all about funding, isn't it? Like these little places haven't got the budget to support a World Cup. You know, it's not it's not who's got the best track; it's who's got the most money to to pay for or outbid the other track. So, which is a bit of a shame, really, because we could have some incredible tracks on the circuit if it, if it wasn't like that. Right? Yeah. I mean, probably a somewhat unavoidable reality of just what it takes to make the series run but uh yeah that's um, it that's it really yeah uh and well you're certainly making a strong case for bulgaria here it's twice now that it's uh gotten a strong phil endorsement if you're a vegetarian i would i would pack a pack lunch because the food is awful (laughs) yeah okay well i can live with that for (laughs) some good riding we can we can make do i imagine yeah well mate if you eat meat there it's all good but i'm I'm vegetarian right I was struggling, I'll be honest. I was struggling for a week because the food in Greece is so good and then you mm-hmm. go an hour over the border and it's just like, what, <laughs> what are we doing? What is happening? Well, can't win them all, I guess. No, that's it, that's it. So you, yourself, you, what do you normally ride? What's your, What gets you ticking? Oh, it changes a bit over the years and kind of like to do, keep some variety in it as well. But um, yeah been spending more time on kind of enduro bikes of of late and not racing much but just sort of getting out into the woods and away from people and finding some steep natural stuff to go try to go quick down it's kind of mostly my preferred method of doing things and i mean i'm constantly reviewing bikes in this capacity for work so i'm sort of there's always whole spectrum of stuff coming through from short travel trail bikes through dh bikes and doing a little bit of everything but nice nice so what what are you riding at the moment let's see so presently have a trek fuel ex and a starling murmur in for review those are kind of the two main things i've got going at the moment oh and the uh, new transition smuggler those are the three actually so uh I don't. I don't know if I know what any of them. Are. I think I know what a Starling is. Is that a, is that tire or is that steel? Steel. It's, it's like a, yeah. Steel. Yeah, yeah. Steel British single pivot deal. Nice, nice. Pretty fun little bike, but um, yeah, kind of try to keep it varied over here. Cool, man. And your your background is. Have you come from skiing or snowboarding or? Um, been skiing and mountain biking since I was a pretty little kid. So, kind of got both of those in the in the repertoire here um really inept snowboarder i've tried a handful of times and i'm just completely useless at it but uh well keep the skis really (laughs) yeah so i mean and as you're kind of gearing up for the race season here obviously still a few months out but uh i mean are there kind of any particular sort of tune-up races or things like that that are really front of mind for getting yourself ready to go or is it really the case with you that like the film projects and just riding and training and getting your fitness ready but not necessarily focusing on racing per se is sort of the better thing to get you in the right frame of mind mentally to go race um, I mean, that's part part of the reason I've 
come out here is just to get some solid downhill time in on the big bike because I can I can ride down all the time back home, but there's loads of other distractions as well. Uh, well, there is here too. Um, so yeah, yeah, get some good downhill time here, and then we'll do we'll use Crankworks as a bit of a tune up. Um, I think maybe there's a pre-season test event somewhere. Not sure if we're going to go to it, but if not, yeah, there'll be a couple of little local Greek races we'll use to get tuned up as well. And there's um, obviously the summer series out here if we decide to race some of them. But yeah, I've, I've already done more racing this year than I've done before most World Cup years, which is great. Like that street race and then the little national champs we had the, the weekend just gone. It's good. Yeah, I could, I'm not up to speed yet, but it's nice just to get back into that sort of mindset of racing and practicing the routine ready for the world cups it definitely helps and you already talked a bit about kind of the motivations for starting your own team and writing that program but how have you found it to go being in charge of that stuff and having to take on the extra responsibility of managing the team on top of all of the thousand other things that you're doing that we've already talked about yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not solely doing it by myself. There's no way I've got my Mrs. Cat. She does all things creative, helps out with logistics, you name it. And then I've got mechanic slash manager Mel, um, who's used to run Roost down on holidays. He is helping out massively as well. And then we've got another dude, Paul from Network Performance. He helps get with like deals and negotiations and bits and bobs. So it's it's a team effort, really. Like, there's no way I could do right, this all by myself. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, even yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. Granted, certainly not doing it all single-handedly naturally, but like, even so, it's a different kind of set of responsibilities and seen than you know being on someone else's team. So, how's that all going by and large? Yeah, it's it's cool. You know, like you you've definitely got responsibilities. You're looking after three kids that, if, you know, that rely on you for products for like, you've got to help organize their bits and bobs. And but yeah, when it's all going well, it's, it's very rewarding, you know, so lots, lots more time on a laptop maybe than I would like, but we're finding a nice balance now, which is cool. And I mean, kind of having started this up over the last little bit and kind of moving into a couple years on now, Anything in particular that you've learned from the experience and things that you really want to take into this coming season that you maybe didn't have as dialed years past? Um, just my organization is getting better and better every year, which is is useful. You know, you can start saving pre-planning, saving a bit more budget. Everyone's less stressed. So yeah, that's good. Be organized. It makes your life easier. Yeah, that goes a long way. But yeah, lots to learn. Lo- Lots to learn always, lots to learn always. But no, it's exciting, you know, and, and everything we're doing, it's for our, it's like for ourselves as well, which is quite cool. Right. And I mean, it's easy for me to imagine how, like, especially for someone like yourself with kind of the breadth of interests on a bike that you've got, being a bit more in charge of your schedule and what exactly you want to do and how to manage all that's got to have its very real upsides for sure. So. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, we we can we can sell to the sponsors what we want to do, you know. And if they're down for that, then happy days because that's what we want to do anyway. So that's sick, and that's quite exciting. And you get to pick and choose the companies that you want to work with. Like 
companies you don't want to work with and just yeah that's it's nice you know it's nice to have brands on board that like you're really excited about riders you're really excited about staff that you really get along with like just trying to make that nice happy environment so everyone can go ride and race their bikes and have as much fun you know it's kind of nice sounds pretty good to me any particular goals that you've got for yourself for the upcoming season as far as racing goes or anything else outside of racing either uh or is that kind of not how you tend to approach things yeah i mean i'd be stoked to see the kids perform and do well you know when when they do well it fulfills me massively um very excited for young marco it's going to be his first year first year junior on world cups likewise with sock it'd be a first year elite um goals myself yeah if i can get back into a good headspace get a few races under my belt i'd like to be sitting i don't know results wise i just i know if i'm riding well and i'm happy with my race runs i think i'm going to be happy with my results so be nice to get to that position um and then video wise as well like i've got some i got some cool ideas well i think they're cool ideas for flow states too so i'm very excited to get back to greece and get get underway with that with the boys from Sleeperco. yeah some things some things to make and do for sure there you go well i think that's a good note and a good teaser to end on uh and certainly looking forward to seeing what you've got cooking up there and thanks for taking the time to sit down in chatfield this has been a lot of fun and let you get out on the bike like you were talking about at the beginning of this yeah thank you very much david massively appreciate you having me on and uh all the best man have a lovely day thanks man you too no stress all right that's it for this edition of bikes and big ideas and as always we would very much appreciate you leaving us a rating or review in apple podcasts of course i would like to say thank you to phil for the conversation thanks to taylor ahern for producing the episode and thanks to you for listening from all of us at blister please take good care of yourself and everybody else and we'll be back again next week with a conversation with Abbey Tools founder, Jason Quaid. Bye, everybody.